Like, I've always known that if you're a woman, things are different. People expect different things of you. People expect you to say different things. People expect you to do different jobs. Like, people expect you to act differently because you're a woman. I feel like I, I've known that a, a long time, but I've just never vocalised it. You're listening to the England Rugby Podcast, O2 Inside Line, and I'm Shauna Brown. My name's Shauna Brown, and I'm a prop forward for Harlequins in England. I generally always have to explain what a prop forward is in my circle of friends and people because I don't come from a rugby background at all. I'll put my hands together and touch my fists and say, you know the ones, there's like eight people just going head to head in a big mess on a rugby pitch. I'm the one that's in the middle of the mess, just trying to be big, trying to be strong, trying to go forward. I was born in in Waterloo, South London, which is central. And then when I was eight, we moved out to Peckham, which is still South East London, but it's a bit further out of the centre. And to us, it was the countryside. And if anybody knows where Peckham is or or how it is, it's very much not the countryside. But because there was a few more playing fields and there was a bit more grass around, it was very much the countryside. Growing up, I was what we would now call a tomboy. I didn't label myself that. It was very much just me and my boy cousin. So I have a sister, but she's 16 years older than me. So as a youngster, it was my boy cousins and I just wanted to keep up with them. When we was fighting and wrestling, like I just wanted to win. Like I wasn't the girl amongst the boys. I was just Shauna, another cousin. It was a very active childhood, very busy, always looking for something to do. Mum would always look for free things to do as well because I didn't have a lot of money. I had a great time. Where I grew up is um, probably not not the best place for, for young people to grow up. And especially now, boys, and I would suggest particularly black boys, just because it, it can be so easy to go down the wrong path. And for me, luckily, and I, I can't put it down to anything but luck, I never went down that path. Yeah, it was tough growing up, but I always knew home was safe. But so many people where I grew up didn't have that. So many people that I knew when I was growing up, they're dead, they're in prison, they're in dead-end jobs, if they're in jobs at all. For me, sport was a huge factor in keeping me on on the right path. Growing up, the sport was athletics and and I would be at, at Lady World Track on a Monday and Wednesday. It was also that expectation of having to be somewhere, i.e. at a sport, at an activity, no matter what. Like once I'm doing something, I'm either all in or nothing at all. Like I'm not really a middle ground kind of person. I didn't want to let my mum down because I know how hard she worked. And as I've got older, I've realised even more how how hard it was for her as a single parent, probably not on more than about like £22,000 a year, bringing up three children. So I appreciate it even more now. But yeah, even as a youngster, it was that respect I had for my mum, knowing that she was doing it alone. My name's Leslie Rickards and my um, my relationship to Shauna is I'm her, her mum. Shauna was always a very active child, always wanting to take on a challenge. What was it, a school Christmas show? 
She was four years old and she was the star of it and she she was on the stage and she just took it on board. I thought she would crack up or, you know, but so it kind of, you know, it's from there onwards that that astounded me really that she did that. She wanted to go to brownies. She wanted to do taekwondo. We do swimming and we try football. She always wanted to try rugby. That was when she was doing athletics, but we lived in London then and there wasn't, I think she she said they don't do it for girls or something like that. I know it was she was about thirteen years old then, so it just kind of went on the back burner. And athletics took its toll, you know, on her time. She kept me busy. She kept us all very busy. She was training religiously from the age of thirteen. She was taking herself there because I was at work and never got home till late. And she would arrive home sort of like eight thirty at night. We pass in the night. We share a house, and. Um, at the moment, I suppose, because she's at England camp as well. I think I see her about 10 minutes a week. <laughs> Whatever she does, she just commits 100%. But when she doesn't want to do it, she will not, <laughs> she'll say, I'm not doing it. No, that's it. There's no debate. I'd say I had a normal upbringing. It's only since coming into other sports, and particularly rugby, that I realised that not everybody grew up like me. With athletics, I started age 12. It was just two days a week. And at first I was I was just with the sprinters because that was all that was on offer. There was a sprint group there. Contrary to proper belief, I can actually run when I when I want to. Um, it's getting a bit harder now, I'm getting older and heavier. But when I was a youngster, I could run, but it just got a bit boring for me. And so I just said to the coach, is there anything else I can do here? And she said, well, not really, because I'm the only coach here and I'm a sprints coach. I can bring you the coaching textbook and you can teach yourself any event that you like. <laughs> I was like, all right, fine. And so I chose shop and discus from it. And she's like, right, there's your pages. Teach yourself how to throw. And I was buzzing. I was like, oh, get to do my own thing now. From there, I met up with the man who became essentially a father to me, John Hillier. Myself and, and my club coach went to John. And I my first contact with him when I was... 13 years old and straight away he was very straight-faced and almost hard-nosed. I was like, oh no, I've gone from having this really sort of playful, lovely club coach to then having this international standard of coach who was very like black and white. That's not good enough. This is good enough. This is what I want you to do. Don't give me anything in between. I was seeing him more than I would see my, my blood father. We were training on a Tuesday, Thursday, and then it stepped up to a Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Everyone else trained Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, but we was Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. And I wanted to train Saturday, but we couldn't because John was watching rugby on Saturday. I was like, rugby? Like, why can't it be on a Sunday? Because I want to train on a Saturday. So it was a horrible thing to do. And then eventually when I was 16, we turned to weights. And yeah, it's just was pretty much intense from the age of 16 and just carried on there and excelled at it. Brown over the ball, just trying to slowly work it back. Breaches are acting scrap half. Brown, short of Brown, carrying away to the line. Referee has a look. That's the first goal of the game. Sean is crazy. She will like pull off things that you don't think the prop can do. You, you see her making breaks through the middle of the breakdown all the time. If I could stop one law in rugby, it would be that you can't do that because the amount of breaks that Shauna makes that no prop should be able to make. 
I'm Abby Ward. I play for England and Bristol Bears, and I'm a second row. Off the pitch, you can always hear her laughing somewhere um, or playing music somewhere. She's definitely a colourful character, like integral part of the squad and just is always lively and, and upbeat. Brute force and brute power from Shauna Brown. We moved from Peckham to Gillingham when I was 16. I was commuting from Gillingham to Lewisham to go to sick form. And, you know, I wasn't on an income. It, it really didn't work out. Quit sick form in my first year and got a job. I was a lifeguard for a couple of years, but I always told myself I was only going to do this until I found a proper job. I was always on the lookout for an apprenticeship. I was applying to anything and everything, so I'd literally just think of any big company. I was on like the car companies, and then looked at Royal Mail, and then one that did actually come off was British Gas, and like applied for that. Didn't really know what they'd done. I was like 18, 19 at the time. It was a few weeks in before I realised I would be physically taking boilers off of the wall and putting a, a brand new one on. So I was with British Gas for, for five years. At the time, I was at an elite level of athletics with my shot put and particularly discus and hammer throw as well. It was in the lead up to the Commonwealth Games. It was about 2012. I'd be home Monday to Wednesday working and on a Wednesday night I'd go up to Loughborough in the High Performance Centre and I would train with, with Sophie Hitchin, Olympic medalist, now Mark Dry, Commonwealth medalist, and just be in the right environment. I went to the Commonwealth Games in the hammer throw and then after that, I didn't want to do the job anymore. So, yeah, 2015, handed in my notes at British Gas and didn't really know what I was going to do next. But again, I just had the support of mum. She'd be like, don't worry, we'll sort it. I'm like, mum, but I've got no income. Don't worry, we'll sort it. It's just that calming thing of, like, you need to do what's right for you and what makes you happy. Where do we go from there? A commercial diver. <laughs> People, so the first question is always, what is a commercial diver? And the way I explain it is essentially you're just a labourer underwater. I only discovered that when I was at sports awards, sitting next to people on my table, as you do, like you make conversation and you ask, oh, what do you do, what do you do? And then there was these two guys and they said, I'm a commercial diver. And they explained it to me and I literally, I looked at mum, I went, I want to be a commercial diver. She knows if I want to do something, I'm going to go do it. She went, okay, fine, you better find out some more information then. Like almost reluctantly, but knowing that I'm going to do it. And yeah, a few few months later, I was going up to, to Fort William to learn to be a commercial diver. Spent three months in Scotland, had a great time with it as well. So I did start playing rugby in that time. Qualified, came back down south to work. So I started with, with Medway Rugby Club, then progressed to the Kent setup. And I, I just wanted more from it. And I thought, each time I was touching the ball, like I was scoring or I was just making loads of metres or like just ending people. And as good as that was for my ego, and it was fantastic for my ego, I thought, not learning how to play rugby. My name's John Hillier and I'm basically a national athletics coach. And Shauna came to me as a young child, really, at 12. Just from there, that was where our relationship developed. We hit it off right from the start. I found her an absolute joy. She's fearless, she's tough, she's determined, she's full of self-belief. She really does believe that she can do anything. And I'm not sure that she can't, as it happens. 
She was a shop put in a disc thrower, and that's how she represented Great Britain, essentially, from 2012 on when she started throwing a hammer. And by 2013, I was in hospital. I had just enjoyed myself, having a heart attack, and she won the Women's Three Ace title. I was lying in hospital all wired up, and there's a noise and a, and a shout from the end of the wall at half past nine one night when all the lights were about to go out, and it was Sean in her shorts and her vest. And she'd come straight down from the British Championships, which was in Birmingham, bearing in mind I'm in London. And she came running down the wall and threw herself at me. She'd just won the women's three A's. She inspires people around her. She always does. She's a leader. She's not a follower. I am very proud of Shauna. I am. I love her to bits. I really do. She's just a joy to be with. She really is. She's always fun. She lifts you. She really lifts you. If you're down, I've been down a couple of times. You know, I didn't feel great when I had that heart attack, but she lifted me. She lifted me that night, I remember. I was just overjoyed when she came running down the ward. We had a little hug in the hospital. It was just a lovely moment. And I suppose she became a substitute daughter almost. She still comes in, knocks on my door, walks straight past me and goes to the fridge. But that's Shauna. went to watch a Six Nations women's game and again like watching the girls play and I just looked at mum and I said I could do that <laughs> she goes yeah alright well make it happen then I said alright fine I will and yeah that was the moment I decided I was going to play rugby for England somehow I have no idea how it all works I don't know is it recruitment is it scouting is it academies no idea but playing for England is now my goal my coach's advice to, to stick with us for another year and just learn your trade and learn how to play rugby, learn how it all works, learn all the laws. And I thought, nah, I'm not wasting another year. I'm off. I found out who was sort of in charge of this Harlequin slash Elsa Ball setup. Sent an email and literally said, can I come and have a go? I said, I've played for Kent, I've played for Medway. I'd just like to have a go. And, and she said, yep, yeah, why not? And so I went down and after the first session, they're like... Well, we can tell you've not played much rugby and we can tell you haven't really got a clue what's going on, but we see a lot of potential in you and you can come back. Went to my first training session. I could catch, I could run, I could throw a ball, not necessarily pass it, but I could throw a ball. That whole thing of being a woman and, and the need and want to dominate someone, that was encouraged and I've never had that before. It's the want to dominate somebody else. That itself, especially as a woman, can be quite a controversial thought process because society tells us to submit quite often. So my first whole season was with Harlequins and, and just, just growing ever since. She's got over that game line. Brown again, busting through, tackles. Shauna Brown on the pitch. I boss her around a lot. I'm Marley Packer and I play for Saracens. Off the pitch, um, just a character. Um, always up to something and having a good laugh. Harlequin strike first. Shauna Brown on her return to the starting 15 gets the first try of the match. In athletics, 
there's so many different events. There's so many different types of people needed. You don't necessarily have to train at the track where your club is based. So you're always mixing with different people and, and meeting different people. My favourite trips was always representing London at the English Schools Championships. And we'd go away for a weekend with the London team. Everyone was black, mixed race, Asian, like you'd have a few white people. There's loads of different music types going on. There's loads of food going around from different home countries. And I loved it. That's, that's my fondest memories of athletics was going to an English school championship for a weekend and spending the weekend with that group of people. So then coming into rugby, I was just like, oh, wow. So everyone's white. Everyone talks, not necessarily properly, but, you know, they pronounce their THs. They say water and I say water and I'll say bottle and they'll say bottle. I'm like, nobody sounds like me. It was a culture shock. Like, this is no one's fault. This is just what it is in terms of rugby as a sport. First of all, you need grass to play. I went to a secondary school. We didn't have grass. And, you know, it was a, it was a good school, but it was in the middle of South London. There's no grass. People say, like, how do we diversify rugby? It's like, where is a rugby club? Can you get a bus to it? Can you get a train to it? For me, it's those things. Are you putting in street lighting? Is there a pathway to be able to get to it? And once you get there, is there clear labelling as to what changing room is for you and where to go? People at rugby clubs and the volunteers, are, they're good people. Like They want the best for the sport. They want to grow the sport. But now you need to recognise, yes, you, you say you welcome anyone, but are you doing anything to actively encourage other people? You go to a stadium and there's music playing. Like, what music is it? Is it always pop? I would say yes, but like, why not throw in a bit of Afro beats? Why not throw in a bit of reggae? Why not throw in a bit of Bangra? Or even like pictures when you go to a club, you go into some first team men's changing rooms and it's just pictures of men. And you, you know they've got a women's team because you're about to play them. If I don't see something that I can relate to, I think, well, I clearly don't belong here. Around the, the summer of 2020 and as lockdown set in, I actually filled out a BBC Sport survey in women's experience in sport and, and the questions were around, I think it was around race and, and gender, how you treated as a woman, like, do you feel treated differently? Have you had any incidences? Um, if you have, what have you done about them? And I don't have like specific incidences to go to, but it's that constant, oh, you girls are actually pretty good. Oh, I've never watched women's rugby before, I might be back. The drip drip effect of, of those little comments and even though the person who's saying them means well you just think oh, go away so I just pointed out that and then they asked what do you do about them and I said well I've started calling it out I'll just almost make it awkward for them and I'll just say oh what do you mean by that and the journalist analysing that data Becky Gray a journalist at BBC just phoned me back and said we surveyed a couple of hundred people and you're one of the only ones who said they'd call it out there and then like can we have a chat we then had a, like quite an intimate conversation about it she brought out the best of my words in a column and I work with her now and it's just a, a show of what a relationship can do because then that piece came out in the BBC and another journalist showed an interest and I've read your piece and I just want to get your thoughts on this and then it's when a penny dropped people actually want to hear what I've got to say these thoughts are always in my head. Like, I've always known that if you're a woman, things are different. People expect different things of you. People expect you to say different things. People expect you to do different jobs. Like, people expect you to act differently because you're a woman. I feel like I, I've known that 
a, a long time, but I've just never vocalised it. And then there's the the race side of it as well. And again, like I've always known that I'm different to, to the most people. When I did start putting my own stuff out there, it was actually the positive response I would get from, from other people, not necessarily journalists, but just people on socials would say, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you said that because I've been thinking it for years, but not had either a platform or even brave enough to say it in public. You need allies on board. Like, as a woman, I can stand up for, for women's rights issues. I can stand up for the girls. But it's more powerful if a man is standing up for female rights and, and female issues. It's just that wanting to protect other people because I know how important allies are. When she did start speaking out, most of me thinks that's great. But sometimes these things can turn on you. I suppose initially I wasn't wasn't scared. It, it wasn't scary, but I was probably concerned because I kind of know, you know, what the media can be like. But I think she speaks so well. And, you know, there are a lot of people that do support her in what she says that I'm, you know, just happy that she's doing it, really. When people say to me, you must be so proud, of course I'm proud, but I'd be proud of her no matter what, because all the things she's achieved anyway. She's Shauna. She's, you know, she's Shauna within this family. It's great being her mum. I love being her mum. <laughs> Growing up, I don't really have role models as such. I just used to look to mum. She was my rock. She was my constant. Like She was always there. She would always support me. And so that's the person I could always look up to. So I didn't realise people needed other role models who weren't family members. In my position now as an England rugby player, I accept I'm a role model. Initially, I needed to be reminded and sometimes I was told and I'm like, no, I'm not role model. Like, I'm just here to play rugby. Like, if you want to follow me, follow me. If not, don't. People were calling me a role model and for them to say they look up to me, you have to take that as an honour. I get parents messaging me saying, like, my daughter was so insecure and then she started following you guys and realised you don't have to look a certain way. The stuff you see on social media, it is sometimes toxic. You need a real person to look to, someone who, who either looks like you, sounds like you, um, lives like you, come from the same area as you. It's just having that sort of realness to it. Even now, like, I'm still just living my life. And when I talk about these issues and subjects, I feel like I have a duty to be honest about it. And yes, we can fluff things up and say everything's great and, and women are getting better and being paid sometimes more equally or like, yeah, we're going in a, a good direction, but we need to be more honest with how far we, we've got to go. For me, playing for England is, is a huge honour and winning Six Nations is, is proud, proud moments that I will remember forever. But for me, like other people, that's, that's my why. I'll get the message from the young person just saying thank you, like thank you for being you, thank you for being honest, thank you for getting me to realise that it's okay to be heavy, like, or it's okay to wear a certain type of clothing, it's okay to listen to a certain type of music, eat a certain type of food. Them looking to me to improve their lives, like, you can't buy that, you can't plan for that, you can just do your thing, and if it has a positive effect on someone else, that's gold, that's my why.